Welcome to the Chronic Life Podcast. I'm Braden Letzinger, your host with my co-host, Matthew Limke. And today we are talking about Chiari Malformation. But before we get into that, Matthew, this is our first episode on a podcast called Chronic Life. What are we doing here? Like, what is the point we of We want to help people, help people, you know? We want to help people and, 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 you know, show people that they're not alone and... and Look, reality is, is we're just two guys. Yeah. We're not claiming to be counselors. We're not claiming to have all the answers. But True. the reality is, is that despite your physical or your mental condition, you can live a fulfilling life. That might be difficult. There might be some workarounds that you have to put into your life to make everything work how you need it to to live that way. But the reality is that you can do it. And we're a couple of guys that we've done it. We don't have all the answers, but here's what's worked for us. Yeah. So we're talking about Chiari Malformation today. But today, Matthew, before we get into that, I wanted to ask you something. Oh, boy. If you could do anything, time, money, current responsibilities, they weren't a factor at all, what would you do and why? I think... Um, I think definitely I, I love to do photography, so I would travel the world. I would, and maybe that's cliche, but I would travel the world, take pictures of all of the, the, you know, the big things around the world, uh, you know, leaning tower of Pisa or whatever and whatever it's called. And then the pyramids and France and all of that stuff. So yeah, that would definitely be my. Is there like a specific country that you would go to? Ooh, I have always loved Germany. I, I, I found I find Germany beautiful, and uh, I have a lot of uh, my family is from Germany. Okay, Lemke okay. is actually a German name, so sweet, yeah, yeah. sweet. <laughs> would you? I know you're an author too, so would you? Would you write about any of your experiences? Would that be something that would interest yes. you as well? I, I actually would love to do a book with like photography, like and like maybe pictures that I've taken and adventures and all of that. That would be really cool. That'd be neat. Yeah. Be neat. Yeah. So what, what about you, man? What would you do if you had all that time and money? If I could do anything, I would go travel around the U.S. specifically, living out of my truck, going to coffee shops, and being like, hey, you want to do a live music night? And specifically targeting the people with my music who struggle with their mental health. Yeah. Specifically trying to provide them hope. I want to make you feel something through my music. So if I had an option to just drop and go, I would. And actually, right now, I'm currently working on converting my truck to where I can live out of it over the next two years and do exactly that. If you gave me the option to do anything else of my choosing, honestly, I wouldn't choose anything else. That's exactly what I'd go do. That is such a cooler answer than mine. <laughs> that was a that was a well thought out, I think, and uh, definitely way than cooler than just going around taking pictures. <laughs> I mean, it's one of those deals where it's well thought out because it's what I'm already about to go do. Yeah, so that's true. That's true. Yeah, I think with my life, I couldn't really do anything crazy like. That. <laughs> well, I mean, you're at a point in your life where you're married now. You have a kid now. Which, speaking of your condition, at one point you never thought was possible. Yeah, yeah, very true. So, very. I mean, at the point that you're at in life, I would say you're a, you're a great success story. Yeah, yeah, you know, you're at a point doing things now that people with your condition probably don't ever think is possible when they're yeah. in the middle of the weeds. So speaking of your condition, Chiari malformation, what is it? Yeah, that's a good question. A lot, a lot of people know about that. Um, very short answer. Uh, it is a condition where the cerebellum tonsils, which is the bottom part of your brain, 
kind of basically falls down into the foramen magnum, which is the bottom hole in your skull, and it kind of clogs everything up. And that's pretty much the quickest, shortest answer I can give you. So but, what is that? But what is it? Obviously, your brain is falling out of the back of your head. Yeah. So what does that look like in practicality? Like, how does that affect the day to day? Yeah, what is it, the it definitely aff- it affects a lot. It, there's the symptoms are pretty much a mile long. I mean, there's all everybody's different, which is you know the the whole point of the chronic illness life. <laughs> everybody's going through their own journey and they're experiencing everything in a different way and coping with it in a different way as well. But. Um, yeah, there's headaches, there's dizziness, there's loss of of of, of feeling, and there's uh, oh man, blurry vision. Yeah, I could go on for a really long time. What, what were the three? What would you say were the three biggest ones that you dealt with? The three biggest ones I would say would be I had a shortness of breath. Um, that's actually on the list of symptoms. I couldn't take a deep breath uh, for a very long time. And then I had, I call it my gimpy leg is what I call it. Um, I couldn't put my heel all the way down. Um, we believe that it was from the, the, the tightness in my spinal cord and that wouldn't let me put my heel down. I don't remember a lot of headaches, but that's pretty much the number one symptom for Chiari people um, is, is headaches. And, uh, but I had a few, I had a few that really I can remember pretty rough. So obviously the physical symptoms were were pretty rough yeah. in general. Obviously you could have a whole list of them, but the emotional side, you know, walk me through when you got diagnosed, where were you at at that point? A lot of confusion. I was definitely confused because I, I kind of felt like I lived a pretty okay life. And, you know, I think which most people you could say, you know, I lived a good life. I didn't do anything bad. I didn't kill anybody. I didn't rob anybody. You know, maybe maybe you cheated on a test in high school, you know, but like nothing really crazy that you would think would bring like that kind of situation or that kind of diagnosis. When you got diagnosed with this, how old were you? I was 23. Okay, so you were already working. You had yeah. your own photography business. You were blowing and going and yeah. suddenly... Did the symptoms all hit you at once, or was it a slow, gradual ease into dealing with this? That's a good question. I, I started my symptoms in middle school, which a lot of people... So there's something I did fail to mention before. It is a birth defect. Um, it can be a birth defect. It actually can be brought by trauma as well. Um, but I had my symptoms really started about middle school. Um, and that's where I really began having the, uh, the physical side, which then brought mental side because I was kind of confused. What is going on? And but I you was, didn't know that's what it was at no, the time. I had no idea. Um, we went to a few doctors around town. Um, and a lot of people go through this, uh, problem, uh, especially when they're young, they get kind of blown off. You know, they get told they're young, they got nothing wrong with them or, they're just looking for drugs to, you know, to feel better. So I got a lot of that whenever I was going to these doctors, and it was very frustrating. Um, and it get it was frustrating, and at the same time, I kind of was just trying to be a man and just toughen up at the same right, time because right. that's how I took it as. Yeah. Well, it sucks to feel invalidated like yeah. that. Oh, and yeah. And you feel like, oh, this isn't that big of a deal, so I'm going to pull up my big boy pants and keep that's on going. Exactly what happened. Yeah. Um, and then about when I was 23 is when the symptoms got to the peak where I couldn't handle it anymore. Um, I, my, my, as I said, my gimpy leg became more my balance leg. I couldn't put any weight on that leg. The shortness of breath was all day, every single day I went to sleep. That was, it was, it got to that point where I, I found a specialist that finally listened to me 
and didn't take me just as a, a case that was, you know, wanting to get some drugs or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So what was the solution here? Because you at this point, as far as I can tell, weren't functional, right? Yeah, yeah. So the 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 solutions that came, which is very popular for Kiori, is brain surgery. Um, and that is, it's more of a Band-Aid. Um, it's not a, a fix for this kind of condition. And a lot of patients have to go through this uh, brain surgery, which is very scary and uh, kind of a big deal. And uh, so I had this brain surgery to, like I said, put a Band-Aid on my condition. The doctor told me that um, we're hoping to either slow down your symptoms to where it just kind of is not as often. He said, you might lose some symptoms and you might gain some new symptoms. And so I was like, all right. That's got to be kind of scary, though. Surgery aside, the idea of prospectively developing new symptoms, that's kind of scary. Yeah, yeah. And thankfully, I don't think I really had anything else that came on. uh, But I did have a pretty traumatic event afterwards. Um, I woke up paralyzed from the neck down after that. And I had lost. I went from from very much functioning, I guess, I could do things to just losing it all, all at once. And, uh, and like you had said before, I was kind of leading a life of this almost like a successful, you know, almost an American dream kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I had it almost all. I had a really successful photography business. I was working. Uh, you were in your early 20s, right? Yes, yes, yeah, I God. was. I mean, think of dream opening. Yeah. Like yeah. you could go do any, you making that much money yeah. independently as a young photographer, you could go do anything. Oh yeah. Yeah. I was headed to that direction and this definitely led down a path of, it went from a confusion to pretty much an anger. I would almost say that, um, I wasn't full on angry, I guess at my situation, but it was mostly because, um, and it's just this kind of popped in my head, you know, the situation that I had. I never really dealt with a lot of anger um, in my young 20s. Um, but when I was young, I had a really bad anger problem. And my and this is kind of a crazy story. It, it may not work for everybody, it, but it just worked for me. But uh, very quickly, I was grounded for something that I can't remember, and I was probably in middle school, I think. And this might have actually been about the time I was starting to get symptoms. And I uh, got grounded. I got angry. I picked up a bat. I started hitting things in my room. And my dad just... We do not advocate for violence. Amen. I want to make that yes. very clear. <laughs> uh, my dad, he took me outside. And, and again, like I said, this is so weird, but it worked, and it, it, it just blows my mind how it worked. But... Um, he took me outside, took me in the yard, and he said, push me. And he just kept saying, push me around, hit me. And I was like, I was confused at that time. And I, uh, I started shoving him around. And for some reason, that anger just kind of just disappeared, which thankfully played into this situation. I didn't get angry all the time, but I kind of had a little bit of anger because, again, going back to what I said before, I lived an okay life. I didn't, you know, I didn't think I deserved something like this, which I think a lot of people in the chronic life, <laughs> you know, do feel that sometimes, yeah, you know, yeah, like there, why am I experiencing this? Yeah, of course. I mean, when you woke up, you've lost everything realistically. Yeah. What was the biggest feeling? Cause you know, you dealt with anger some, but what's the biggest feeling that you had when you woke up? Probably my, uh, you know, I instantaneously, I really felt alone. 
the moment I woke up, you know? Um, and it was probably because I had did a little bit of research on Kiari before. I wish I did more. Um, if I went back, I probably would have did more research on this condition before I had the brain surgery. Um, but I felt alone, you know? I felt alone that I was the only one going through this. I was going through this situation of being paralyzed and, like, being told... I never was told I would never walk again, but I was told it was questionable and the timeline. So I felt alone. I lost hope. Um, I was confused still and anger. I just, I had a lot going on. What would you say to somebody that's feeling alone? Somebody that was in your exact position, what would you say to them? Well, I would probably just tell them that, you know, obviously they're not alone. I can't just, just say that answer because that just doesn't really... You wouldn't have taken that. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have taken in that moment. Um, but I would just... Man, that's a good question. That's a good question. Would you even say anything? Or would yeah. you just go sit and walk with them? You know, that's actually really good. Uh, I, You know, I think if anybody told me anything, I probably wouldn't have listened to them in that moment. Yeah. You know, that that's a really good point. Trick um, question. Yeah, I... And I kind of got goosebumps just thinking about that, you know? Like, my, my ears are standing up here. <laughs> well, because when we're in those situations, when we've lost everything, we don't feel like anyone can directly relate to yeah. us unless their situation is so similar yeah, yeah. that they can speak into us. Most of the time, what people in those positions need to be asked is, what do you need? Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's t- totally... That's so good, you know? I think for my situation... If I were to walk somebody that had a very similar situation like mine, though, I would just simply tell them my story and say, you know, I'm one of the rare few that really could almost understand what you're feeling. Yeah. Um, because, you know, in those situations, and that this is just came to my mind here, we don't want sympathy. Mm-mm. We want we want empathy more than anything because, you know, sympathy. And I I remember. It was wild, actually. There were times I seeked sympathy. I actually did. Yeah. And then when I got it, I hated it. <laughs> so I, I would tell the person and in that situation, and I would tell anybody around them, do not give them sympathy because they don't need that. So you were paralyzed for how long? Um, I was paralyzed for about 23 days, 20... About 23 to 27 days. Okay, so for you it wasn't a long, a prolonged thing. Yeah. Not to minimize the feelings of hopelessness, not to minimize any of that. Yeah. I do struggle with paralysis still, okay. but I'm able to walk around now. I have, I call it partially paralyzed hands. So technically I'm still, if you want to put air quotations around it, I'm still kind of paralyzed. <laughs> but I can walk, I can do everything now. Gotcha. I, I, I went from... But you weren't promised that when no. that's what happened. No, no. There not was at all. no guarantee whatsoever. No, not at all. And that's probably scary as heck. Yes, very. So walk me through walking again and recovery for you. Because that is a pretty exceptional story in of itself. Yeah, yeah. It, it definitely... It was probably the biggest moment of my life. Um, and it changed my perspective on life forever. Um, but I was doing occupational therapy and I, that's your upper extremities. And so it's like hand in your hands and everything. 
and I had just got finished doing, um, and if anybody's going through what I've gone through and knows about this, I was, they had me drawing on a, on a desk with shaving cream. And so that's, that's a way to, to, uh, like, uh, train your dexterity. And uh, so, yeah, I hope somebody that is listening can relate to that. That's super. It was a cool moment. That's interesting. <laughs> Drawing with shaving cream. Yeah, yeah. Hey, it, guys, look at this picture. I just painted it. It's made out yeah. of shaving cream. <laughs> and it was awful. Um, but anyway, I had just got done with that. And in that moment, you know, I remember sitting there alone. Um, they went back to get my wheelchair. And at that time, I was able to sit up for a few minutes. Um, eventually, I would either lose my balance or I'd get exhausted because I was focusing so much on my trunk, which is your kind of your abdomen your area. Yeah. yeah. And and so I was sitting there and I was I was struggling. I was really having a hard time that day. Thankfully, in my experiences, for the most part I was very positive, but I did uh, like a human does have really bad days. Um and I the prior to that I tried to walk on my own and I uh I was just sitting there and I I heard God tell me it's time to start walking again. And I know that not everybody believes in God, and I I understand that. Um, But me personally, I do. And I did believe that I did hear God. And I heard him tell me it's time to start walking again. And and in that moment, it was an instantaneous reaction for me. I, for some reason, didn't even... You didn't hesitate. I didn't hesitate. And, and, and I call it like, I, I, I say that we, even if you, you don't believe in God, we all have blinders, you yeah, know, yeah. um, we all have these blinders of our purpose and our, and our reason of living. And, and we we're so, we're almost, we're bent to looking at the negative, you know, yeah. and, 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 and everybody is, I don't care who you are. I don't care how positive you are. You, <laughs> you are bent to look at the negative. Even yeah, today, I, course. After everything I've been through, I still can see myself being so focused on something that's negative right. after everything I've been through. Yeah. And so anyway, I, I heard God and I, I, I looked at her and I said, I don't know how to explain this to you, but nurse, I'm... You looked at the nurse. Yes, yes. I looked at the nurse uh, and I said, I don't know how to explain this to you, but it's time for me to start walking again. And, and it, what was so cool in that moment too is that she just said, okay, let's go. And so I got up. And I held on to her, her, her forearms, and they tied these weights around my, my ankles. And uh, the illustration I give to people is I was like a toddler, like a baby. I kicked mm-hmm. around a lot. And so it was very spastic. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. And so I started walking that day. And I walked all the way to my room. And, and the coolest part about that is, is when you're paralyzed for 27-something days, and you're in the bed, and you're in the wheelchair – you go from like 130, I was 130 pounds and I was at 90 pounds. So I was skin and bone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm only like five, six or seven. So I'm a little guy. Like I had nothing yeah. on me. And I walked all over my room. And after that, for me, everything changed. Um, I found myself being more confident in, in, in where I was at and finding the positives and looking for, um, so I, 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 I call this, um, you know how people say looking for the silver lining? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, 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 I'm trying to encourage people to stop looking for the silver lining and looking for the rainbow. You know, I feel like that's such a better illustration of, of like, you know, 
of looking for that positive, looking for that beautiful thing, you know, that's happening in your situation and your chronic illness, you know, and everything else. Well, you've got to count your little victories. Yeah, yeah. You have to, and we're going to have a whole episode on that, but really, you've got to count your little victories because if you don't, you're going to get overwhelmed by the negative. Yeah. My grandfather, he gave me this uh, insight years ago, and he said, look, before you come talk to me about anything negative, I want you to list three positive things that are going on in your life. Oh, I love that. Totally changed my outlook. Yeah. Completely. So, Matthew, as somebody on the other side, for the most part, of what you deal with, you still deal with lingering symptoms. Yes. But somebody on the other side of your condition, you have a successful life now, you're married, you have a wife, you have a business, you have a kid, you're the definition of success. What would you say to somebody who can relate to what you've gone through? It's actually a pretty simple, like, real fast, easy answer. Do not give in to the temptation of giving up. Because I think that we're tempted every single day of giving up, whether it be a small task or a big task. And it's easier to give up. It's the easiest path, honestly. It's the easiest. It's going to be hard to not do that and to continue pushing on and remembering that you are so much stronger than you think you are. Baby steps. It's yes. all about the baby steps. It is, it is all in the, and like you were saying, the, the small victories. We'll talk a lot more about that, but you need to continue looking at those small victories. Bingo. Yeah. Bingo. Next week, we're going to be talking about how physical and mental illness play hand in hand. I'm going to be bringing in a good friend of mine, Hannah Medina. Uh, She's got her own advocacy that she's starting, and she has a ton that she wants to share with you guys. You can follow me on Instagram and TikTok, both at TBLetSinger. That's T-B-L-E-T-S-I-N-G-E-R. You can follow me on Instagram uh, at matthew.t.limke. 